welcome to Girl Gotta Hike the Podcast, episode 24. I'm your host, Melissa Goodwin, outdoor guide, photographer, and founder of Girl Gotta Hike. This podcast features interviews with adventurous women, plus trail tips and hiking advice for those who want to disconnect from the daily grind. On this episode, I get a chance to catch up with my good friend and regular podcast guest, Kelly Nosium Blosser, at the halfway point of the 2,650-mile Pacific Crest Trail. Kelly's been making her way north from the Mexican border toward the Canadian one for the last few months. And now, by the time this episode is airing, she's almost halfway through Washington State and nearly finished already. During our conversation, she talks about what it's like to finally be on a journey that was over two years in the making. We chat about how her preconceived notions of what she thought the experience would be like stack up to what it's actually like to be out there and doing it day after day after day. She talks about the different types of topography she's traversed, how her body is holding up, and how she's adapted what she's carried and what she's eaten to fit the demands of the terrain. While I was lucky enough to tag along for the first 100 miles of Kelly's trip, I was not able to head back to California to interview her in person for this episode. Instead, I caught up with her over Zoom while she was on a rare night off in a hotel room with good Wi-Fi. Stay tuned after the episode to learn how you can connect with Kelly and to learn more about Girl Gotta Hike. Summer is here, and that means it's prime time for backpacking trips. If you're in the market for a new pack, then might I suggest you look no further than Gossamer Gear. Whether you're heading out for your first overnight in the backcountry, planning a week-long section on one of the national scenic trails, or setting yourself up for a much longer adventure, their variety of pack styles and volumes will help you carry everything you need and keep you comfortable while you're doing it. If you're newer to backpacking, there can be a lot to keep track of, and it's likely that the gear you're gathering to go inside your pack might feel a bit on the bulky side. Pack like the 60-liter Mariposa offers plenty of room for the basics, plus enough extra to carry any additional creature comforts while still only weighing in at just over two pounds. If you're one who's been at it for a while, then you've likely pared down a bit. Maybe you realize that you don't need to bring quite as many layers as you once thought. If that's the case, the 50-liter Gorilla might be more aligned with your new hiking style. And for anyone who's cut it way back and found that bringing only the essentials is their preferred way of making miles, then Gossamer Gear has a pack for you too. Their G420 Ultralight and Kumo 36 Ultralight packs offer much more durability and come in at a lower price point than some of the other Ultralight offerings out there. Whatever your hiking style, Gossamer Gear has a pack to fit your needs, and they're all loaded with awesome features like large external stretchy pockets, handy hip belt pockets, and removable back pads, which not only help give their packs some structure, but double as sitting pads too. As a special treat, Girl Gotta Hike the podcast listeners can use the code Girl Gotta Hike Gossamer to get 15% off your first purchase at gossamergear.com. That's Girl Gotta Hike Gossamer, and you can follow the link in the show notes to find out more about all of their awesome offerings. Welcome to Girl Gotta Hike the podcast. I am talking remotely with Kelly Nosium Blosser from somewhere in California. Kelly, where are you? I'm in Chester, California. And what mileage of the PCT is Chester? Chester is at 1,331. Ooh, so just over halfway. Yep. Woohoo. Hit it yesterday. Nice. So 1325 is the halfway point. And how does it feel? It doesn't feel to me on the non-hiking end like you've been gone very long. Just like everything significant, it's like it goes so slow, but then you think back and it went so fast. So that's how it, it feels. <laughs> like daily, I'm going, you know, 20 to 25 miles 
and that a day goes by so slowly. But when you're doing that mileage, it goes, the miles go fast. Yeah. So of the 2650 miles of the PCT, did you think you'd be to the halfway point in this amount of days? Yes. I am just under three months uh, on trail. And I, my goal is still the second week in September, although I might want to go a little bit faster. We'll see. Oh, and what makes you want to go a little bit faster? Just the competitor in me. (laughs) (laughs) So are you finding yourself like in a race with other hikers out there? I really dislike being passed. So, (laughs) and more of just like, let's see if I can do it. Mm -hmm. Just the race with myself. That's awesome. So tell me what that means. Like actually on trail, like if you hear somebody coming up behind you, if you hear their footsteps, are you like speeding ahead. I do. And then I usually am like, okay, never mind. I don't like (laughs) someone right on my butt. So I grab a drink of water and let them pass me. Let them go by. That's fine. But I want to pass them in town or something like that (laughs) when they're resting. (laughs) So do you have like a tally sheet of, you know, all right, check and pass that person. person." (laughs) So in the desert, everyone was calling me uh, my middle name starts with a K and they're like, oh, it stands for killer. Cause I would just be like, <laughs> oh, another one bites the dust. <laughs> but then the Sierras kicked my butt. And so I got a taste of my own medicine. And Ooh. so now no tally sheet. No tally sheet. You're just out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so 1300 miles in, I assume you've met a lot of other hikers. Yes. Tell me a little about that experience. Is it a game of leapfrog or are you generally staying ahead of the people that you have met? So at the beginning, I was with a group of six people. We were calling ourselves the bubble bursters because (laughs) we kept going into the next wave of people. So the people who had started a week or two or three ahead of us, we kept bumping into those people. And now I'm getting passed by people who started in April. I started March 29th. The April people are now bursting my bubble. (laughs) Well, Uh, April's just a couple of days. I mean, I think that, you know. True. Yeah. You just started at the end of the month. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, generally in town, it's a shakeup. So you see a bunch, you're like, how have I never seen this person before? (laughs) But you see a a bunch of new people, uh, section hikers get thrown in the mix too. And so you meet those people, but there's been a consistent group that I've been hiking around and near this whole time. Is it still the bubble bursters or have you bursted their bubble and gone ahead of them too? Well, almost every single one of them got off trail for a wedding Ah. or three. So (laughs) yeah, so they are now mostly behind me. I see. Have you in your nearly three months on trail um, taken any sort of extended break? No, I have not. What has been your usual MO when you get to town and you take a little break? So in the desert, I didn't take very many zeros, which is a rest day where you go zero miles. So two sleeps in a hotel or hostel or wherever. I was just doing mainly Nero's. Um, which means you go into town in one sleep. And so Nero versus Zero really changes how you approach town because if you're doing a Nero only, you have to get everything done faster versus a Zero where you can 
go leisurely go to the post office and the grocery <laughs> store. Yeah. In the Sierras, I took many more zeros just because it was very taxing on my body and mind. Mm-hmm. And so I would generally get into town and the day I got on, in would be really, I'd just chill, just relax, eat food, drink beer. The next <laughs> day would be where I did all my town chores and then leave fairly early in the morning on the third day. Yeah. That sounds like a good way to do it and really get that rest in there. Um, Have you noticed in those zero mileage days, um, does your body get a chance to recover? It does if I stay off my feet. My feet are what hurts the most, which I guess makes sense, but they, they ache. They ache nightly. It's hard sometimes to fall asleep. It's hard to stay asleep. They just ache. And so if I'm able to stay off my feet for a day, I definitely notice the the difference in the next stretch of trail. So you said if you get a chance to stay off your feet. So is it hard to actually stay off your feet? It depends on the town. Some towns are so small that the post office is next to the grocery store, next to you know the gear store and next to the hotel. That is the perfect scenario. All in a row. <laughs> All in a row. But, and that was Wrightwood. Wrightwood was just like that. I loved Wrightwood for that reason. (laughs) I was just in South Lake Tahoe, which is like a real town. It's huge and spread out. You have to hitch to maybe go somewhere or you have to walk and it could be two miles between the grocery store and the post office. That is a lot more stressful and harder to stay off the feet. Yeah, definitely. You said that foot pain is what is keeping you up at night. I remember when I was through hiking the AT, it was my hips. It was my hip sockets. Like I'd try to stretch out in the night and and that would keep me up. Is that something you've experienced in your prep hikes or is that something new? I experienced it once when I did 50 miles in three days and that prep hike. Yeah, that hurt my feet, but I thought it was due to rocks or I had been trying out sandals, but this absolute ache that keeps me awake is definitely very new. I don't think it's shoes. I just think it's miles. Yeah. And so you said the average per day you're going is over 20? It is now. In the Sierra, it was probably 18 miles a day. That's pretty close. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Sierras, you have to time it. Since I'm going northbound, the north side of each pass is really very snowy as well as the top. So you have to time it so that you're not slushing and post-holing for miles on the descent. Didn't work out every time for sure because I definitely did my fair share of post-holing and sliding, which really determined how many miles you went. So would that be earlier in the day? before the sun had a chance to soften that snow up. Correct. Yeah. But you didn't want to go so early so that it wasn't super icy. I mean, I had traction on micro spikes and my ice axe for a couple of them, but you don't want to go on an ice chute on the descent either. You want it to be a little bit, a little bit loose and, and, <laughs> and a little bit slushy. Have some give. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you've had some extreme terrain. So you've had a little bit of desert and you've had a little bit of snow. How has that changed your hiking 
or your mindset. The desert and then also the Sierras where the snow was, those are the two things that I researched the most and knew the most about because one, it was like the first thing that I was doing was the desert and the first section. And then two, they were what kind of scared me the most. (laughs) So the desert, I knew that I would need to be drinking a lot of water. I knew that hydration was key and that dehydration would be what could derail my height. So that focus was a lot on drinking water and making sure that I went to the water sources and knew where the next water was coming, how much, how many liters I needed to carry at a time. And water is stupid heavy. So (laughs) going up a hill with a ton of water really sucks. That definitely changes your pace. How did you mitigate that when you got to a water source? Would you try to get some in your body, like camel up and drink there or... Was it just, all right, fill up and keep hiking? It's both, definitely. Mm-hmm. Camel up and know where you're going because if you're going to be dry camping, you have to get an extra liter of water-ish if you're going to be using water in what you're cooking. All of that, it was a lot of logistics around water, definitely in the desert. And then finding a place to rest was not so easy because you needed to find shade. Not so easy to come by in the low scrubby brush. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. Click you a You were there for the first hundred miles. So yeah, it was awesome. I had never hiked in the desert before. Late March, early April felt not as hot as I expected, but I was only in the first hundred miles. You had another, what, 600 miles of desert to go? I did. And I still think I picked the perfect start date because it wasn't so hot. And there are some people who started later who, you know, had to get evacuated because it was so hot and they were dehydrated and all of the water sources dried up. So I'm very thankful that I started in late March, but it was still hot. (laughs) I still wanted shade. I still drank a lot of water. So I know when I was out there, I used my hiking umbrella a bit with the handy uh, hiking umbrella holder that you gave me. Thank you very much. Did you end up using your umbrella to create your own shade? What did you end up doing to find shade? I still don't like the umbrella. (laughs) Uh, It went home fairly quickly. Uh, I kept it through the I-10 underpass. There's a section that I knew it was coming. And it's what I envisioned in my mind the whole time for the desert section was just this flat, wide open, very low bushes, sandy. Mm. Anyway, so I kept it through that and I actually <laughs> used it there. Okay. But I just don't like how you can't see where you're going. It kind of gets in your way. And I just prefer a sun hoodie and I put the hood up and have a hat that the girl got a high hat. All right. Represent. <laughs> and sunglasses. And that is my hiking uniform. I've been doing that for now 1300 miles. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you found something that worked for you, even if it wasn't what you originally anticipated. If you thought you were going to be carrying that umbrella the whole way and then you hated it. Yeah. Send that home. Save that weight. Are there any other changes for the desert section that you made that were not something you anticipated? The desert was surprisingly cold at night. And so hot in the day, cold at night, really annoying. I ended up getting in Ridgewood, which is kind of near the end of the desert, but still I got a sleeping bag liner to have a little bit more warmth at night. Wow. Yeah. 
and I got a new in Kennedy Meadows, which is at the end of the desert, beginning of the Sierras. I got a new beanie that was a lot warmer as well. The desert was surprisingly cold at night and it was surprisingly wet. Had to air my tent out many times that I wasn't expecting. I remember that just from the couple of days we were out there waking up with condensation and it feeling a lot more wet at night than I would have ever imagined. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Very weird. (laughs) (laughs) It was cool to watch that marine layer come in that first week. Did you experience that uh, later on? I didn't. That was the only time. I'll have to add a photo in the show notes here so everyone knows what we're talking about. But it was basically this wall of clouds that moved in overnight, at least at one of our camp spots, and just moisture drawn in from the ocean all the way. I don't know how many hundreds of miles we were from the ocean, but it was pretty amazing. Nature's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So you probably got yourself all figured out, all your gear settled, finally figured out for the desert. And then boom, you hit 10,000 to 14,000 feet (laughs) elevation and snow in the Sierra. So like, how did you, what happened there? I got like two days of transition because Kennedy's Meadows is at like 5,000 feet. And then you just start climbing consistently over two days and then you're at 10,000 feet. The altitude, I was in the Sierras for a month and I don't think I ever got used to it. Any ascent that I had, it was just a big struggle. So Mount Whitney, which Melissa, you did the JMT going southbound. So Mount Whitney was at the end for you. Oh, it was at the beginning. That's hard. (laughs) Yeah. So it was at the beginning for me. So you have these two days of like transition-ish into the Sierras and then wham. Okay. Go up 14,000 feet. Highest Uh, peak in the lower 48 states. Highest peak of California. What? uh, 14505? 14505. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And we did it at, we wanted to be up there for sunrise. So we got up at midnight and my body was just like, what in the world are you doing? (laughs) And so many levels. So I got there. Sunrise was at 535. I was up there at like 525. And I thought for sure I was going to miss it. It was just like, I was on the struggle bus the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I did a similar thing, but I was later in the year. I was August. So sunrise was a little bit later. I think we left Guitar Lake at 2 a.m. and not 5. But yeah, it was daybreak before I got to the top. I was like, oh, it's getting light out. Like, am I going to miss it? But I, I, I did get up before the sun actually came up, but I could see. I was grateful for that. It was actually some yeah. of the most beautiful terrain I've ever seen. It's yeah. insanely, it's like the scree or talus or whatever, it, that really loose rock. So mm-hmm. to be able to see was a big benefit. <laughs> it was helpful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very helpful. And which I got at the very end was yeah. when with daybreak. But actually, so the JMT and PCT differ in that my permit doesn't let me go. There's a ranger station at Crabtree Meadows. So you can't even go all the way to Guitar Lake to start. So we had to start. Oh. It was eight miles total to get to the top oh well that explains an extra couple of hours for sure yeah Yeah. oh man that's a bummer (laughs) yeah but that's amazing you did all those miles in um before sunrise that's a a testament to all those miles you put in in the desert yeah Yeah. I guess so but it was (laughs) 
not pleasant. Type too fun. Type <laughs> yeah. too fun to be sure. Your photos look awesome from up there. Um, yes. Yeah, quite the accomplishment. Thank you. So 700 miles of desert and then nearly 700 miles. Are you technically still in the Sierra? I am not. I am now technically in the Cascade Range up here. Okay. That I entered 70 miles ago. Okay. But the, the high Sierra section, the section that is in my mind as the Sierras, that section is about 450 miles. We were talking about gear changes that you made for the desert. What did you have to do? Did you have to change anything then for this year? You said you picked up your micro spikes and you picked mm. up an ice axe. Um, yep. I also, for this year's uh, bear canister is mandatory. So um, I got that, changed out my shoes. Mm. So you're on pair number two now? I'm actually on pair three. Ah. Yeah. Is The main weight was... The bear canister, which is like two pounds, the mm-hmm. ice axe. I borrowed our friend Sprouts, which is super light, but still it's weight. I got these really nice booties there that are uh, down booties to wear Ooh, at night. They were lovely. lovely. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> did you keep that sleeping bag liner that you had at the end of the desert? I did. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's actually going home tomorrow when I can get to the post office. (laughs) What have you seen? We're talking about gear. We're talking about how your body feels, but like, what have you been seeing out there? The desert was beautiful. I'm from Arizona. So I was expecting the, the same desert vibe as in Arizona. It was so different, very green Arizona deserts, very brown. And there were mountains in the SoCal desert too that I was just not expecting that had like pine trees and like forests (laughs) and stuff. My favorite though, and don't kill me, it was mile, (laughs) it was mile like 105. Oh, right after I got done. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Around Eagle Rock. um, Oh, right. Where I was originally (laughs) intended to go. You know what? My feet were dying and I didn't even realize it till after the fact. So it would have been a push. I would have done it, but it was also good for me to get off at 101. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry. But it was, the, it was like this beautiful, we, we were walking through it at, at dusk. So like mm. golden hour. And it was like mm. this meadow, just me- it was flat and it was meadow and all this grass and the birds chirping and the butterflies fluttering and it was just gorgeous that is that will always be a a top memory for me (laughs) right after I waved goodbye and drove away (laughs) you're like she's gone hallelujah (laughs) (laughs) but then the Sierra oh my gosh the Sierra is as as I was saying like this ascents kicked my butt Mm. uh but as you're going up the ascents you just like turn your head and you're like Oh, it's pretty. Okay. <laughs> I can keep going. Like, like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, pretty fine. I'll, I'm, I'm go- I'm, I'll keep trudging. I'm fortunate to have gone through it in the snow as well as unfortunate. But the fortunate part is it just gives it beauty in the, the different colors and angles. And it produces lots of streams. Streams in the Sierras are basically creeks anywhere else in the country. <laughs> uh, and creeks are basically rivers. 
but there was water everywhere from the melt. It was just beautiful. And a lot less to carry than in the desert. Uh, so at least the elevation's harder, but you didn't have to carry as much weight. Correct. As much water weight. I did start carrying more food in the Sierras too, uh, just because mm-hmm. it's colder and harder and longer distances between resupply. Resupply was hard in the Sierras, mm. just uh, long distances. So. Yeah. What's the longest amount of days that you've gone between food resupplies, food drops? Seven. It was okay. between Kennedy Meadows South, which is where you enter the Sierras. And then after Whitney, you do Forester Pass. And then again, something that differs from the JMT, you can't go out the Whitney portal after Mount right. Whitney. So I had to do the Forester Pass. Then I had to go over an elective pass called Kearsarge Pass that mm-hmm. to actually get out to a town, Independence or Bishop. I went mm-hmm. all the way to Bishop for yeah. resupply. On the JMT, we also got out at Independence just for a little break. But I think we still had like four days between Independence and Mount Whitney. And it sounds like you probably did that in one or two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like Forester Pass, Kearsarge Pass. Done. <laughs> Done. And then, so then you have to go back in. So Kearsarge Pass, again, going the opposite direction. Yeah. Then you do the next five passes. <laughs> Which is a, at least seven miles off trail each way. It's uh, out yeah, Kearsarge Pass that are not on trail miles, but you still need to do them. The whole PCT is 2660, but how many extra miles do you think you've had to do? <laughs> I haven't really kept track, but I know getting into, let's say, Vermilion Valley Resort also in the Sierras, um, that was seven and a half miles both way. Mm-hmm. Totally worth it. But again, not the easiest. And then uh, uh, you're hitching a lot. So that seven and a half miles I actually did on trail. But then all the other towns that I've been going into along the way, starting in the Sierras mostly, have been hitching. So you hike to get off trail, you get to a road crossing, and then it's still, you know, a while till you get to town. Correct. Apparently it changes in Oregon. I haven't gotten there yet, but all these towns are way off trail. Yeah. So you have to add that in or factor that into your timing and how many miles you can do. And if you're just doing Nero's, that means you're not getting a ton of a break, it sounds like. Correct. Yeah, you have to hope that you get a hitch. And hitching has generally been pretty easy. And I happen to be a woman. So that helps. (laughs) I usually get picked up by women. Almost every single one of them has said, I don't ever pick people up, but you seemed nice. And I would never pick up a guy. (laughs) So wear my hair down. (laughs) That's right. Take that hat off, put the hair down. As my dad told me on the AT when we (laughs) needed to hitch, by the way. Well, that's really awesome. Have you found yourself hitching alone? And how do you feel about that safety-wise? Yeah, I have been recently hitching by myself and it's fine. Yeah. I feel like the towns that I'm going into are very hiker friendly. And so likely most of the people picking, you know, picking up hitchhikers are locals and know what's up. And if I didn't feel comfortable when I was talking, it hasn't happened, but I feel like I have good, good gut check meter uh, to know. You've spent a lot of time in New York City. I feel like that (laughs) kind of uh, comes with the territory of like, yeah, no, don't get on that subway car you know, oh, don't get in that regular car. Yeah. You only make that mistake once. Right. (laughs) And then you get off at the next stop. (laughs) A little harder to do maybe when you're in someone's vehicle. Glad you haven't had to 
you know, <laughs> roll out with your backpack on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Is the trail what you expected going into it? I know you had a really long time to prep and read and listen to podcasts and be on podcasts like previous episodes of Girl Gotta Hike um, and go out and do some training. But does it compare with what you were expecting? What I'm very happy about my preparation is that I didn't read too many specifics about the trail itself and what I'd be seeing. I had a lot of very general knowledge about where I was going, what kind of gear I needed. I knew what I was doing, that's for sure. But I didn't know this is what Eagle Rock looks like because I didn't look at any photos or anything Uh like that ahead of time. I didn't look at photos. I didn't read specific descriptions. And as I was reading, I read a book called Journeys North, which was about the PCT and some people and their journals. I read the descriptions that he talked about, but I didn't go and then look up specifically that section, didn't look at the map, didn't look at any imagery or anything. So from that perspective, I had no expectations. I had really no idea what I was getting into (laughs) from a visual perspective. Well, that's kind of a nice surprise then. It sounds like you've been impressed by what you've seen out there. Yes, (laughs) for sure. And then the other aspects I was looking forward to, like I definitely thought I would become a part of a tramily and then, which is a trail family. And then I, I realized actually I like hiking by myself. I like hiking near people. I like camping with people, but I'd still want to hike my own hike and be very independent of my fellow hikers, which if you're part of a tramly, like decisions get made by committee and things like that. So that was different. I thought I would be with the same people the whole way through and I haven't been and that's completely fine. Oh, good. You're finding your own way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hiked with a partner on the AT. So there were a lot of group decisions and sometimes pined for the (laughs) like, hmm, how could this be done a different way? And sometimes, you know, was really glad that I had a partner, but yeah, it's a nice way to explore your own ability and your own desires. It is. It's like, well, I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do exactly what I want to do it to make this experience enjoyable for myself. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome. But it also does sound like you are seeing some of the same people here and there and regularly. So Yeah, for sure. And I hiked with a couple for many miles. We would both independently say, oh, I think I want to go this far. And like, if it was a mile or two different, be like, okay, that's fine. We'll camp at the same place. Mm -hmm. So we did, it was, it was very unanimous, but it was great to, you know, have lunch with them and camp with them. It's always nice to have your own time than getting to like catch up with others at the end of the day. I also just recently hiked with a different couple and I actually did hike with them. Like they stopped way more frequently than I would myself and things like that. And I just didn't enjoy it as much. So I know what I like and I'm going to keep doing that. Those, and they are great people, but doesn't mean I have to hike with them. Right. Yeah. You get to try it out and then keep going. Mm -hmm. Yep. Do you think that the people you've met, even though you're not currently hiking with them, do you feel like you've made some friends for life? Yeah, definitely. For some reason, I know a lot of Canadians now. So <laughs> I, I will be going to Vancouver. I see it in my future. Awesome. 
Let's see. So you're meeting awesome people. It sounds like you're finding your own way, which mm-hmm. sounds awesome. You're, I would say you're only halfway done or you're already halfway <laughs> done. How does that feel? Like, what are you feeling right now? Like, I feel that the first half is stacked, I guess, in difficulty in my mind. But again, I also don't know a ton. Like I said earlier, the desert and the Sierras were what I researched the most because they were what I was the most scared of. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really don't know a ton about Oregon and Washington other than it's supposed to be flat in Oregon and Washington's (laughs) supposed to be uh, you're in the middle of nowhere and it's supposed to be really wet. Those Mm. those are kind of the extent. That's the extent of my knowledge. I've also started to hear what's going on in Oregon and Washington. It's It was high snow years for both of them this year. So I think I I get more snow coming in my future. <laughs> Maybe by the time you get there, it'll have melted. And then you know, you'll just have a nice, easy, breezy last two states. I hope so. I have 387 miles left in NorCal. And wow. this is, this is, uh, yeah, everyone forgets about NorCal until you're in it. And it's like, oh, NorCal. <laughs> I'm actually slogging through right now for the last like 100 miles. It's been burn zone. It's very hot. It's very exposed. It's very dirty. I probably just clogged my hotel shower with all the dirt that came off of me. And it's just sad. Mm. When going through the vegetation, I've been going through different burn areas and so they're different life cycles of the burn. And so some of these burn areas actually have like wildflowers and, and ferns and a bunch of other plants growing. And in those sections, it's humid. So it's, you've got the heat pounding on you because there's no shade and then the humidity, which the desert didn't have the humidity part. And then it's just, I think the, the dryness and the dust and the, like the soot in there just makes it feel just hotter. Mm. Have you heard that? Are there any burn areas ahead? What's the fire outlook for the remaining bit of California? I'm about to go into Lassen National Park, which rangers are even recommending that we don't go through it, but everyone is still because last year's Dixie fire. So trees are still falling. So I still have that to, to go through. And I, then I think I'm pretty much out of the, the burn areas and uh, I should be out of NorCal before any new ones start, which is <laughs> something unfortunate to think about, but also something we've all been thinking about since the beginning, kind of racing the clock because it seems like these fires pop up every year. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, fingers crossed you get to steer clear of anything else so that you get to hike the whole trail. Because I know that that's a a bit different about hiking in the West is that, you know, sometimes you have to make these changes if it's too big of a snow year or a fire pops up. You you can't do that section. Yep. There's still the Jefferson fire, which I think was two years ago. I don't quote me on that, but the Jefferson fire in Oregon, there's still about a 20 mile section that's close. So we'll have to reroute around it. There's no easy way to walk around it unless you want to walk 150 miles uh, just to do 20 miles of trail Mm. if you want to do your continuous footpath um, and those 150 are on you know dangerous highways so I think I'll just be skipping and taking a car (laughs) I think that's the 
wise move. You can always come back another year, take those 20 miles, or that's just the nature of this year on the PCT, right? Yep, exactly. Well, I thank you very much for sharing all of this info. You've had, like I said before, a long time to prep and think, and now you're out there doing it. I guess some parting questions. What are you still looking forward to? And do you want it to end? What am I looking forward to? Well, I'm very excited for Oregon. Do not, I mean, I, a lot of people can do 30, 40 mile days. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping to do 30s, mm-hmm. at, at least a few. So that from the, the physicality perspective, I'm very excited. What's been your longest day so far? Well, 24 hour period, it's been 31 miles Ooh. because we did some night hiking on the LA aqueduct, but at a, a normal day, 26-ish marathon. But yeah, so Oregon get to go fast, but also really pretty. Oregon also you go fast because the resupply is right on trail. So awesome. Very different. Yeah. From California, basically. You don't have to build in a half day of hitchhiking. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. And then Washington, as you and I saw last year when we did the Wonderland Trail, it's just gorgeous. So I'm very excited for absolutely beautiful. More more different kind of beauty. I'm hoping. I don't know if you want company. (laughs) I have to do a little training, massive training to be able to catch up with you to do 30 mile days. But if your completion date falls in line with when I already have to be in Washington for a wedding, start the trail with you and the trail with you. That'd be cool. Or, you know, just do some hiking in Washington on my own when I'm there. But that would be pretty awesome. That would be cool. But no, that would be awesome. And uh, I, I know I have been getting a lot of questions from Girl Gotta Hike hikers, regular hikers. How's Kelly doing? How's Kelly doing? So you have an East Coast fan club. Oh, yeah. Everybody's like, whoa, she's there already. (laughs) That makes me feel good. It's great. (laughs) Well, I feel like at the end when I stand there at the the terminus, it'll be like everyone who, who supported me. It's there too in spirit. So we're all hiking together. That's right. Well, thanks for doing the hard uh, desert section for me. (laughs) (laughs) And the Sierras. And And the Sierras. And the Burns. Right. (laughs) And whatever else is to come. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, awesome. I will let you um, rest up in your town stay for the rest of the evening. Definitely buy yourself a beer on me. I'll Venmo you. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, if there's any parting words you might have for anyone hoping to get out there and do the PCT one day? What do you say? Oh man, just do it. It's so (laughs) worth it. I had a lot of time to plan and research and train physically. And I know so many people who had a fraction of the time I had after they decided to do it. And we're at the same place, mileage wise, mentally, physically. So it doesn't matter if you have the desire to do it and the, the will to do it you can do it. Awesome. I think we'll leave it there. Thanks again for being on another episode of Girl Gotta Hike the Podcast. And um, we'll have to catch up again once you're done. Kelly Nosium Blosser, thank you so much for taking some of your precious town time out to talk with Girl Gotta Hike. Your descriptions of the beauty of the Californian desert and the Sierra mountain range sound amazing. And I can't wait to hear if Oregon and Washington have lived up to the hype too. To have the courage to set aside regular life for a while and embark on a multi-month journey is not easy. 
Thank you so much for giving the Girl Gotta Hike audience a bit of insight as to how it's been feeling for you while actually being out there and putting in those miles. I love that you've taken this time to really lean in and allow yourself to hike your own hike. You've been pushing your limits and exceeding your expectations while also taking the time to embrace the challenge, enjoy the scenery, and connect with other hikers out there, albeit briefly while they're eating your dust. Noceum, congrats from the whole Girl Gotta Hike fam for making it this far this fast. We can't wait to celebrate your completion and hear even more of your tales from the trail. Listeners, if you too want to drool over the images of Kelly's awesome journey from Mexico to Canada, then check out her Instagram at kkbgotgame. If you'd like to hear more about her mindset and what went into the planning during the lead-up to her PCT trek, take a listen to episode number 13, Talking Trail with Woodchuck, No Seam, and Click. And some of my images from my 100-mile section of desert hiking on the PCT with her are included on this episode's webpage. Links to all are in the show notes. Major thanks, as always, to Ash Lake for the awesome editing. Ash is a hiking enthusiast, podcast editor and producer, as well as screen printer and big fan of Girl Gotta Hike. Thanks, as always, to Brian Bond for the custom-crafted theme song. In need of some special sounds of your own, email your musical inquiries to brian.e.bond at gmail.com or follow him on Instagram at brianbondmusic. And major thanks to you, dear listeners, for tuning in to another episode of Girl Gotta Hike the Podcast. I really appreciate that you have taken the time to lend your ears this way. If you've enjoyed this interview with Kelly, or if any other episode has inspired you to get on trail, then go ahead and give it a good rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to where you can leave a comment. Good reviews help spread the word about Girl Gotta Hike and help me to get others outside and onto their next adventure. Girl Gotta Hike connects women with nature, confidence, and camaraderie through guided hikes and backpacking trips from New York City to the Catskills and beyond. Looking to head out on a custom-crafted trip of your own? Then be sure to click on the Hire a Private Guide tab over at girlgottahike.com to let me know what kind of adventure you're aiming to take. Custom trips are open to all and are perfect for those wanting to celebrate milestones, have a family adventure, or check off those bucket list hikes like the Devil's Path, Catskill 3500 Peaks, or sections of the Appalachian Trail. Seeking out some hiking besties? Then click on the event schedule and sign up for a group hike instead. You can head to trail without having a car on the monthly public transit series hikes, or go further afield with your new hiking friends on group hikes in the Hudson Valley and the Catskills. While on the site, check out my new merch page too. You can be reppin' girl got a hike with a hat just like no seams. And while there, you can also check out some handy blog posts, catch up on old podcast episodes, and sign up for my monthly-ish newsletter. You can also follow me on Instagram at Girl Got a Hike or on the Girl Got a Hike Facebook page. Until next time, happy hiking! And okay, Kelly, I guess I won't fault you for not letting me be in this part of the trail. And it was meadow and all this grass and the birds chirping and the butterflies fluttering. And it was just gorgeous.